Thank you that you are our heavenly David. You are the one that has gone onto the battlefield for all of us to win the fight for us so that we could rest in your victory. And this morning we take heart knowing that you have overcome every obstacle that could come against us. So we thank you for your grace concerning us and we thank you for your heart concerning us. And we thank you for it, Lord. And Lord, I ask that this morning no one would receive what I have prepared, but exactly what you have prepared for them. Father, that no one would see me, that no one would hear me, but that we would all receive from you and that you would feed all of us on Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to cover some things that we have talked about before in the past, but again, we have some new ears, some new faces, and I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Is that good? Sweet. So we're going to open up in John chapter 17, and I want to show you something in John chapter 17 that I have never shared before. One of the, the awesome things about John chapter 17 is this. In John chapter 17, Jesus is giving up a high priestly prayer. All right? A high priestly prayer. Now, he's not necessarily depicted as a high priest in the gospel of John. But in John chapter 17, Jesus offers up a prayer as if he is a high priest, because he is. Now, for those of you who are saying high priest, what in the world does that mean? That sounds like some cult thing. Don't worry. High priest is a good thing. God gave the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And then in the same breath, God knew the moment the Ten Commandments had gone out, all of us were doomed. The moment God said, fine, you want something to do? Here are 10 things for you to do. Get these 10 things right, and you will earn all the favor I have. All right? You'll, 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 you won't suffer with the things that people in the world suffer with. I will be a God to you. I will heal you. I will protect you. I will do all these things for you. Just get these 10 things right. And in the same breath that God gave it, God knew all of us were going to fail, utterly fail on our face. So he says, Moses, come up and let me show you, let me show you what I'm going to do. Now that the Ten Commandments are here, I'm going to give you a high priest. And the high priest is going to work like this. The high priest will come from someone among you. And that one who comes from among you will stand before me. And I won't judge any of you based on you. I will judge all of you based on him. Are you with me? And now you can make mistakes, but if this one does everything perfectly, I will judge you in his perfection. So as holy and perfect as this one is, so are you holy and perfect in my eyes. Now you may make mistakes. We will make mistakes. But as far as God is concerned, he's not judging you based on you. He's judging you based on your high priest. And Jesus is our high priest. That's why when you make mistakes, people who are anti-grace, they say, well, you can't just do anything you want to do. Well, we never said that. <laughs> Paul got accused of the same thing. We never said that. What we're saying is when you realize that God is not judging you and you, God is judging you in the beauty and the perfection and the holiness of his son, our high priest. All of a sudden, your heart will change and you'll realize that God is not waiting for you to mess up. God is trying to find ways to save you. And when you know that someone is trying to save you, not condemn you, you'll fall in love with them. And as Paul said, and we say so much, the love of God will compel you to live right. The love of God will set you free from every form of bondage. The love of God will unloose the chains that might have held you in addiction somewhere else. When you fall in love with your Savior, love will take care of everything else. And what we've lost in the church is we've walked away from the truth that God is not waiting to judge you. God is finding ways to save you. Are you with me? So Jesus is our high priest, and God is judging you in him. Now, that's not my, my message for this morning. But in John 17, all of a sudden, you see Jesus acting as a high priest. He's praying as if he is a high priest, and he is. Now, why do we say that? 
in John 17, you can read it for yourself. In John 17, Jesus prays, Father, you and I, as if they're together. And all of his disciples are on the earth. And yet Jesus is on the earth with his disciples. Are you with me? So it's like he's praying a high priestly prayer. Now, towards the end of his prayer, he comes to verse 20. And he says this. I do not pray for these alone. Talking about the 12 that are in the room. In fact, I'm sorry. Talking about the 11. Judas has already left. All right. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who is that? That's us. That's us. We believe in him through what the apostles wrote, through what they preached. So Jesus wasn't just praying for them. He also prayed for you. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is praying for you. And what does he pray? That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Now, I put this in gold in verse 21. Because to me, this is a profound thing. And I've never shared this before. All right? Jesus' prayer is for oneness. Are you with me? Oneness. Oneness, meaning they're here, I'm here, make us one. And let them understand that they are one with me. As you and I are one, Father, they are also one with me. Now, there's some people in the church that preach, well, well, we need to become more unified. I agree. The church needs to be more unified. We are too diverse. All right? On one side of the aisle, people say, well, you know, uh, I don't believe in that tongue. I think tongues is crazy. Okay, cool. On the other side, we believe in it. On one side, someone says, well, grace was for the apostles. It's not for us. And we're over here saying, well, we believe in the grace of God. Are you with me? And we have all these cults, or not, I'm sorry, not cults. We have all these diversities <laughs> within the church, all right? People who say, well, we believe in this, but we don't believe in that. We believe in this, we don't believe in that. The gifts were for them, but they weren't for us today. Are you with me? So the church is divided, and I believe that God is trying to unify the church again. And the beauty of the grace message is this. People who are gracious can say to someone who doesn't believe the same thing, it's okay. It's okay. Because what unifies us is not what I believe about tongues or what I believe about the gifts. It's what I believe about Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Then we are one. And I ask you, I implore you, be gracious. Because when you meet people who don't believe the same as you, as long as Jesus is central, we can all be happy because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you with me? So Jesus is praying for oneness. And I believe what Jesus is praying for is this. Hey, they are unified in me. They're unified in me. Now, we are all unified in Christ. You are all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because all of us, to my knowledge, have received Christ. We were given all to call at the end. But all of us, to my knowledge, are believers. So you know what? We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And everyone said. So Jesus' prayer is for oneness. Now, the oneness, let's take it one step further. All right? The oneness is this. When you realize that you are one with Christ, you are one with Christ, it will change your prayer life. That's why she was preaching my message just a minute ago, right? I was praying internally. Stop, Father. Stop her. Shut her down. <laughs> no, it just confirms more that the Lord was speaking to me. And everyone said. <laughs> He's praying for oneness. Now, if you know that you and Jesus are one, when you pray, it's as if Jesus himself is praying. Now, I know your prayers aren't always gracious. Your prayers don't always sound like his prayers. But God wants you to know when you pray, pray with the power and authority as if Jesus himself is praying. Because you and Jesus are one. When Jesus prays, do you think God hears sometimes? When Jesus prays, do you think God hears most of the time? When Jesus prays, I think God hears every time. How much more you? When you pray, God is not saying, I'll get back to him in just a minute. 
No, God was waiting for his son to speak because God is so in love with his son. Likewise, God is so in love with you that when you speak, God is waiting. Are they talking to me again? Are they talking to me again? Now, let me say this. Jesus said, we being imperfect parents know how to give good gifts. Me being an imperfect father, as much as I love Parker, Parker's language is getting better. He's structuring his words better. And that's such an awesome moment for me as, as a parent because it's the first. And I'm hearing him say things. He used to say, um, what would he say, Christina? Give me an example. <laughs> he would say things like uh, airplane, daddy, airplane. Now he says, daddy, I want airplane. Now, we're putting more words in sentences. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm waiting for him to say more. Now, me being imperfect, how much more our perfect father who loves you and is waiting for you to speak. And when you speak, he says, oh, they were talking to me. Okay. And then you say, oh, they were talking to me again. That's okay. They're going to talk to me in a moment. Just wait. And then you say, heavenly father, he says, yes, yes. And we say prayers like, oh, God. now, we, we touched on this two weeks ago, so I can say this. Oh, God, give me this. I'll use this example. Give me this position. Please, God, give me this position. And God goes, if I give you this position, you don't know the stress and the problems that will come with it. I have something better. I don't want to give you something that's going to destroy you. I have better. So we walk away and say, well, God's not answering this prayer. I'll pray another prayer some other time down the road. And we pray based on past experiences. Now, let me say this. We have all at some point prayed a prayer that did not happen. I'm still waiting on the $10 million. It hasn't come yet, right? We've all prayed prayers at some point that did not happen. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Change everything. This morning, let's start with a clean slate. Let's take it from Jesus' own words in John 16. In just a moment. Let's take it from Jesus' own words. That when you pray, God hears and God moves. We have all grown in grace. And to the degree that we have grown, things have changed. All right? So let's look at John chapter 16 real quick. John chapter 16. Jesus says in John chapter 16, one chapter behind. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, this is beautiful because what he's saying is the context is pretty soon. I'm not going to be with you anymore. Up to this point, you haven't really had to go to the father. You've only had to come to me. But pretty soon I'm going to be gone. And that day you won't be able to ask me personally because I won't be here physically. Are you with me? So you won't ask me for anything in that day. You'll ask the father in what name? In the name of Jesus, in his name, you ask the father in my name and he will give you. Not he might give you. He will give you <laughs> until now. You've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now I looked up the word joy. Guess what it means? Joy. <laughs> I know that was deep. I thought it was deep too. joy. Jesus says God wants to answer your prayers so that you can be happy. I mean, come on. It doesn't have to be so spiritual. God wants you to be happy. When you love someone, you want them to smile. God wants you to be happy. So he says, ask in the name of my son, I'll give it to you. We are, again, I'm still waiting on the 10 million. But it's okay. Ask in the name of Jesus and God will give it to you. Are you with me? Why? Because he loves you and he wants you to smile. Now, the beauty of this is, look at this. Whatever you ask the father in my name. When I saw this, I thought, let me look up something. Now, if you know in this church, we love to preach through the lens of the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote from Romans all the way up to Hebrews. I believe, when scholars disagree, they, they, they fight about it. I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. But suffice to say, what did Paul write to the church? From Romans all the way up to Hebrews. So what we do is this. Paul was the apostle to all of us, the non-Jews. We look through the lens of the Apostle Paul. 
Are you with me? Jesus said some things before he died on the cross that were applicable to his time, to his day and to his age. But not everything Jesus said can be translated over to this side of the cross. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what in the world? We've shared on this before. But let me say this. Do you know that Jesus said, I'm getting ahead of myself. Do you know Jesus said, unless you forgive, God will not forgive you? Did you know that? Then the apostle Paul said this on this side of the cross. You can forgive because God in Christ forgave you. They seem opposite. Is Paul disagreeing with Jesus? Of course not. Jesus was speaking at a time. His death had not happened yet. So what he was saying was, hey, for you right now, this is what you have to do. But then when he dies and he's resurrected and he ascends to heaven, now the Holy Spirit is saying things have changed. God has forgiven you. So now you can forgive everyone else. Are you with me? Now, again, watch this real quick. When I was looking at what Paul said, I went back to Paul's books, Paul's letters, because Paul loves to pray for the church. He prays for the church a lot. And when I read what Paul said, I noticed at the end of every prayer, Paul doesn't say what we say. When we finish praying, what do we say to close out every prayer? In Jesus' name, amen. And yet, Paul never said that. Every prayer Paul gave in all his books, he never said that. Now, I'm not saying we should take it away. I'm not saying that at all. Because I'm a firm believer of praying that way, and I'm going to continue praying that way. Unless the, the, the heavens part, the light shines, and the Lord says, you don't have to pray that way anymore. All right? That's how we pray. That's how we were taught to pray as children. I teach Parker the same thing. When Parker gets hurt, we say, in Jesus' name, you were healed. And he says, amen, amen, right? We teach our children, that's how you pray. Because Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name. But the name is not something, it's like religion almost makes the name like a, like a Hail Mary. In Jesus' name. And I hope I get it. Like that shot in the dark, right? I hope in Jesus' name. And yet Jesus is saying, hey, change your perspective. Because when you ask in my name, God is going to give it to you. Now, when you're praying about something in the world, when you're praying, when Jesus spoke to demons, he commanded them, they left. When you speak to a situation, you speak in the name of Jesus, it carries authority. But when you're praying to your heavenly father and you say in the name of Jesus, what you're saying is, hey, all the imperfections of this prayer. (laughs) Let me put the incense of your son with this. And God smells the beauty and he smells the uh, the incense of his son. When you say in Jesus' name and he smells that and God says, this is an awesome prayer. What can I do for Matthew today? What can I do for you today? Because I'm so in love with you. Are you still with me? Now, what in the world does this have to do with tongues? Are you still with me? <laughs> Let's keep going. I'll, 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 real quick. Verse 24, one more time. Ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. Start this morning with a blank slate. Start this morning with a fresh slate. Ask and you will. This is Jesus' promise to you. This is his promise to you. You will receive. Now watch this in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. When you pray, pray as if Jesus himself is praying. Pray with that confidence. Pray with that type of confidence. You know why? Look at this. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you are a child of God, God hears you. In fact, Miss uh, Ozell said it just a moment ago, right? I mean, come on. If you are a child of God, God hears you. And the Holy Spirit is in you to tell you what? Hey, you are a child. 
You are a child of God. Now, I looked up the word child. In the Greek, there's two words for child. You have techna and you have huyos. Huyos appears in Galatians. I don't want to confuse anyone. But huyos appears in Galatians when he says this. When you abandon, and I'm paraphrasing, when you abandon the law and you grab hold of the grace of God, you become a huyos. Huyos is a mature child. You are a child, but you're maturing. All right? Parker, as long as he's an adolescent, will never get the keys to the car. The moment Parker matures, he might get the keys to the car. I'm not saying He will get the keys to the car. <laughs> and everyone said, all right? As long as you are a child, you don't get the things that mature adults get. So in Galatians, he says, leave the law. Grab hold of the grace of God. You will become a huyos. You will become a mature child. That's why, listen, people say, well, you preach grace. Those are elementary. I beg to defer. <laughs> Read Galatians. Study Galatians. You'll find that grace is actually for mature. The law is elementary. As long as you're hearing what to do, what not to do, you're still living under an elementary school teacher. The moment you abandon the law and say, Christ is the end of the law for me, now it's grace and grace alone. All of a sudden, you become a mature child in Christ. Are you with me? And all that belongs to God's mature children is yours. Are you with me? So right here, the word children is not the word huyos. It's actually techna. Now, why am I telling you this? The Spirit himself bears witness that you are children of God. Techna. Why is techna so important? Techna literally means this. You're an adolescent. You still are almost like a baby. You know when you have a baby? I remember I was talking to uh, Kelly once. And I hope I have liberty to tell this. I was talking to Kelly once. And I think it was after Aaron was born. And I made a comment. I was just kind of joking. I said, so what's it like, man? And he told me this. He said, they're just so dependent. <laughs> and after Parker was born, I had the same thought. He is so dependent. No, not in a bad way. Not, not that at all. But when they're born, I mean, come on. If you remember when you had children, they're just, they can't do anything. If they're hungry, they, and they can't do anything. They can try to make noise, try to talk to you, but they can't really talk. They just murmur something and it sounds like noise. And we all get excited and we run and say, what do you need? Are you with me? Techna, they are children. They're just so dependent. And when I saw this, I got excited because techna means this. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. You are a adolescent child, totally and utterly dependent on your heavenly father. You are totally dependent on him. The Holy Spirit is in you to tell you, you need him. You need him again. You need him again. He will do this for you because he's your father. He will do that for you because he's your father. Are you with me? Oh, man. When I saw this, this made me pray more. <laughs> this made me pray more. Because the Holy Spirit is in me and he's in you telling you, you need your heavenly father more. You need him more. And not just that you need him. You are his child. And what father, being imperfect, would give his children the opposite of what they asked for? Then he says this, and I love this phrase. He says it in, in um, I think it's in Luke, if I'm not mistaken. He says this, how much more will your heavenly father give you? Now, the phrase much more is such a beautiful phrase because that word, that phrase much more appears five times in Romans chapter five. And every time it appears, it's showing you, hey, the grace of God brings much more into your life. Much more, much more, much more. Apart from grace, there will never be much more. But in grace, there is always much more. And when Jesus said, you being imperfect parents know how to give good gifts, you know how to meet the bare minimum, how much more will your heavenly father give you if you just ask? Oh, man, I love this. 
You may not, but I love this. <laughs> I hope you love this. Now, can I show you how this is all connected to tongues? Watch this. In Matthew chapter 6, let me show you this real quick. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to show you 1 Corinthians in just a moment, but watch this. Matthew chapter 6. Now, as I told you, not everything Jesus said applies to us on this side of the cross, right? Not everything he said applies to us on this side. Now, let me show you. We've shared on this before, but I want to show you something I haven't seen before. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives the prayer, all right? On the Sermon on the Mount, he says, In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everyone said, amen. So how are you supposed to pray? Jesus says, this is how you pray. And the church has taken this prayer and said, this is how you're supposed to pray. Keep in mind, the church did not exist when Jesus said this prayer. Now that the church exists, we don't pray this prayer anymore. Why am I saying that? Verse 12, like we said earlier, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, forgive us as we forgive everyone else. And yet I'm here to tell you, Jesus already brought forgiveness to you. God has already forgiven you. So we don't pray this prayer anymore. Are you with me? If that's not enough, look at the next verse. Verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That's heavy, man. That is heavy. But how much more in grace? How much more in grace? Are you still with me? Now, what happens is this. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, and I think most of us, for the most part, we know this. But if we're not careful, we can let unforgiveness settle for too long. And unforgiveness has been proven to be the root cause of so many problems that we experience in our physical bodies. We have a hard time forgiving people. We have a hard time letting go of what someone did to us. And because we hold on to it, again, doctors have proven that unforgiveness or bitterness, whatever you want to call it, all right, if not addressed, can produce problems in our physical body. Now, I don't want to get into the science of it or the, the, the medical side of it, but suffice to say this, why is forgiveness the first thing God brings to all of us? Because that is the, I believe that is the main problem all of us deal with. The majority of us deal with. Did you know that when David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Did you know the first benefit mentioned is forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Before every other benefit God brings into your life, he wants you to be rooted and grounded, knowing that you have been forgiven. And when you know that you have been forgiven, it is easier for you to forgive other people. It's easier. I shared this uh, about three years ago, about four years ago. We were um, at the time our church was meeting at a house at my job. I won't get into it. That's a long story. So if I say this, some of you were there. You might remember that. It was years ago, right? And I remember that night I was sharing about this. You can forgive because God has forgiven you. And I'll never forget around that same time, I was actually dealing with something um, with uh, with, a, with a person. It was, uh, I think it, was, it wasn't family. It was a close friend of mine. We were dealing with something. We never really had a fight like this before, man, but we got into it. It was, it was real ugly. And I'll never forget, I was preparing, and I knew this verse in the back of my mind. And so I was meditating on it, getting ready, and I had printed it out on paper back then. We used to print all the verses on paper for Bible studies. And I printed it out, and I was looking at it while I was working and just getting ready. And the Lord said, son, you haven't really let go of that issue with that person yet. You haven't let it go. And I said, I know, Lord, it's, it's kind of weighing on me. There is no condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. I'll deal with this at another time. 
And I'll never forget it. It, it. it felt like, again, the Holy Spirit came back and said, you still haven't let it go. You still haven't let it go. Now, there's a difference between feeling condemnation and feeling led by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? On one hand, the Lord says, get ready because judgment's coming. On the other hand, <laughs> he says, I want you to let this go. Give it to me. Give it to me. Cast all your problems on me because I care for you. Give it to me. So what I did was I was dealing with this issue, and to fast forward a very long story, right before we were getting ready to preach, the Holy Spirit just impressed on me. Think about it. You're having a hard time letting, letting it go. Did I have a hard time letting your problems go? And I, <laughs> and I'll never forget, I'll never, as God's mouth, I'll never forget, I was doing, I was about to go into the house to get ready for work, to get ready for Bible study, and I'm just impressed from the Lord. And I had this image in my mind of Jesus at the cross and how quickly he went to the cross for me. And how at the cross he wasn't saying, hold on Lord, I'm not ready yet. How could he do this? How could he? He just went to the cross and he paid for all of it. Not most of it, all of it. So that I wouldn't get most forgiveness. <laughs> that I could have total forgiveness. That I could be so clean and so forgiven that God would say out loud, Matthew Edwards, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are, not you are, you're acting like it, not you are good sometimes. No, no, no. You are the righteousness of God in Christ forever. And that's what he, and if you know, if Jesus could look over my lifetime of sin, not just the sin I did in ignorance, the sin I did on purpose. If Jesus could die so willingly and so fast for that and bring forgiveness for that, how could I hold on to what someone did to me? It made what my friend did to me, it made it look like he just stepped on my toe compared to me putting Jesus at the cross. <laughs> And I'm telling you, if you have a hard time forgiving someone, just take five minutes one day and go, just look at him. <laughs> just look at Jesus. And you'll find it so much easier to forgive. You will find it so much easier to forgive. Now, knowing that you are forgiven, knowing that you are forgiven, one of the biggest problems I used to have in the past was this. I would find it hard to pray in tongues until I started feeling like I was forgiven. Now, let me say this. God gave you feelings, but don't trust feelings. God gave you feelings, but feelings do not determine the presence of God, and they don't determine God's truth. They don't determine it. The times where I would say, okay, I want to pray in the Spirit, but then I would feel, I know what I just did. I know what I just did, and I would say, oh, Lord, forgive me. I know you forgive me, but forgive me anyways. And I would walk around feeling like I, I need to feel forgiven. It's nothing more than self-righteousness. It's nothing more than self-righteousness. To feel like I'm forgiven when God's truth says, no, you are, it's nothing more than self-righteousness. It's me saying, I want to feel it before I can believe it. And in that sense, I almost want to earn it so that when I feel forgiven, I deserve to be forgiven because I've said, forgive me enough. Are you with me? And that's even more dangerous. <laughs> I believe the root of every sin is self-righteousness. I won't go and that's another message for another day. You know that they never, the Israelites never thought of worshiping a golden calf until God said, thou shalt not worship any other gods before me. Never thought of it. Then all of a sudden at the foot of Mount Sinai, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. The next breath. Hey, let's make a golden calf and worship it. <laughs> Why didn't they think of that earlier? Because the root of every sin is self-righteousness. And you understand why we're so scared of preaching the law here? Scared. I say it that way on purpose. We are scared. Right? <laughs> I am afraid to bring in a guest speaker that will preach the law to you, that will preach rules to you. I'm terrified. You know why? Because the moment the law goes forth, sin ignites. Paul said sin inside me was dead until the law came. Then sin was revived. 
How do you revive sin in the church? Tell people what to do and what not to do. That's why we say this. Married people, be careful. Love. Love. Some stuff should just be common sense. He didn't know you couldn't cheat. No, that's, no, no, <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking about. But listen, be careful what laws you put. Because Paul said himself, the moment law came, sin revived inside of me. It was dead, but then it came back to life. You want a revival of sin? Start telling people what to do and what not to do. That's why we run. <laughs> we, we run from the law and we grab hold of grace. Are you with me? But you are so perfect. You are so holy. You are so righteous that even your sin can't stop the Holy Spirit from speaking with you. You can pray in tongues. In fact, I, I submit to you the best time to pray in tongues is when you sin. I'm serious. Pray in tongues when you sin. Because when you pray in tongues when you sin, David's prayer was, Oh Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Our prayer is, thank you, Lord. You will never take your Holy Spirit from me. When you sin and you pray in tongues, what you're saying is you're reminding yourself, I am so perfect, I am so holy in Christ, even the Holy Spirit won't leave me. God himself won't leave me. Even when I make the mistake, thank you, Jesus, and that will push you back into what you should have been doing, not what you shouldn't be doing. Are you with me? Now watch this real quick. Let me show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In fact, do you have your Bible? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let me show you this real quick. We'll bring this to a close. First Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter 1, 4. You know, I was editing the uh, sermons to put on the podcast. And when I'm doing it, sometimes I have to just go through and listen to these quiet breaks in the message. And what it is, is I'll say, turn to First Corinthians 14. Then I'll, it'll get quiet for like four seconds. And then all of a sudden I'll say, 1 Corinthians 14. And you get quiet for another four seconds. And I'll say, 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm like, why do I say that so many times? So what I did for the podcast, I don't know if you noticed, I'll actually cut out the five times I say 1 Corinthians 14. So if you're listening to it, you won't hear it five times. You'll hear 1 Corinthians 14. Then you'll hear the verse. So <laughs> I'm not telling you. It's not on the screen, but find it. I can't help myself. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. Are you there? No. <laughs> Now watch this. Actually, pick up at verse 1. Verse 1, Paul says this. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but, expect, but especially that you may prophesy. Now keep in mind, 14, chapter 14 is talking about in the church. In the church, okay? Watch this. Verse 2. For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to who? God. For no one understands him. Aren't you happy when you pray in tongues? No one knows what you're talking about. I haven't done it yet, but the day is fast approaching. Next time she says something smart to me, I'm going to start praying in tongues. What are you saying? I'm not telling you. <laughs> you don't speak to men, you speak to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks what? Mysteries. What a mysterious word. He who speaks in a tongue speaks mysteries. Can you say mysteries? Mysteries. Now that brings us to our verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. For years, mysteries eluded me. I always thought mysteries. You don't know what you're saying. It's mysterious. I don't know what I'm praying, oh God, but I'm praying mysteries. <laughs> and then one day, about two years ago, one day we were studying this in our Bible study group, and this is what came out. Now, I love this. We're going to close with this. I love this. Watch this. First Corinthians chapter 2, we'll pick up at verse 7. 
Paul says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a... Oh, come on. We speak the wisdom of God in a what? Mystery. Mystery. The hidden wisdom from... I'm sorry, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for whose glory? Our. Wow. Now, what do we always talk about in church? What, we. What does the church at large talk about? The, for, the, for, for God's glory. And God is saying... I'm trying to give you something for your glory. God said, I have enough glory. I want you to have some. <laughs> I have all the glory in the universe. I want you to be as glorious as I am. Are you with me? So watch this. One more time. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now real quick, one more time. What did we just read in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2? He who speaks in the tongue speaks mysteries. Now when you see this word mystery in the same book, you can interpret it as tongues. Are you with me? When you pray in the spirit, you're speaking a mystery. And watch this. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for your glory. But let's keep going. Because what would sinner church be to only read one verse? Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him, those who love him. The first time the word Holy Spirit is used in the New Testament doctrine books, Romans chapter five, verse five. And it says what? The love, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit is here to pour the love of God in our hearts. The last time Holy Spirit, that phrase is mentioned in the New Testament is in Jude, keeping yourself in the love of God, praying in the spirit. The first thing the Holy Spirit wants you to know is love. God loves you. The last thing, God loves you. Everything else just sandwiched in between. Whatever I'm doing for you is because God loves you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for you. The things that God has prepared for you. That's, you know, when we first started talking about this, you know what we, you know what we shared? We took from Ephesians that said this. Hey, God can't just do what you're asking him to do. God has to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. One translation even says what you can imagine. And you know the verse before that? We always love to quote that, but the verse before that says this, that you should know the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of the love that God has for you. To know that which is unknowable. Then he says this. Hey, God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly above. I'm telling you, we, and I said this two weeks ago, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. You have no idea the places God wants to take you. You have no idea. We have only scratched the surface of what God wants to do with you. You have only scratched the surface. Some of us haven't even started the race yet. And he scratched the surface. (laughs) We're behind. And God is saying, I'm trying to speed you up. And the only way to speed you up is for you to pray in the spirit. You haven't seen it with your eyes. You haven't heard it with your ears. It hasn't even entered into your heart yet. All the things I want to do with you. All the places I want to take you. All the people that will come and say, tell us about Jesus. I mean, you haven't even started yet. You haven't even started. And God is saying, hey, I want to do it. I want to do it for you. And for years we said, okay, God, just give it to us. And God is saying, I need you to speak it. But we said, what do we speak? If I tell you, then you will have heard it. And I want it to be a surprise because I love surprising you. So how do we, how do we ensure that we get it? Watch this. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. Oh man. So the Holy Spirit says, Hey, God wants to do this for you. 
He wants to take you to Europe so you can preach the goodness of his. Oh, man. Okay, 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 Father, I won't tell him. And I'm just going to pray for him. Oh, Lord, set this airplane ticket up and bring the resources, bring the supplies, bring the money, bring the investors. Oh, God, set them up for success. Set them up for success. And then we keep praying in tongues. And he says, okay, Lord, you know this person lives on this road and that person, they're going to tell this and they're going to, and then bring all these people. So they come and then you keep praying in the spirit. He says, ready their hearts so that they receive it. Are you with me? Then the devil goes, wait a second, I see God is doing something in Europe. I think it's related to you. Let's set them up. The Holy Spirit says, oh, we're still praying in tongues? Yes. Father, turn the trap around. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit is always praying for you. When you pray in the Spirit, he's praying the things that God has kept secret. Because God loves surprises. God loves surprises. Now watch this. God, how does he reveal it? Now the word reveal, let me show you this. I'm going to bring this to a close, I promise. The word reveal is the word unveil. Can you say unveil? Unveil. Unveil. Now, why is unveil such a cool word? The word reveal or unveil in the Greek is the same word apocalypse. Same word apocalypse. Now, when you hear apocalypse, you always think of end time, fire and brimstone, dragons, all that good stuff, right? But the word apocalypse or reveal or unveil literally means, it just apocalypse means something has been revealed. God is unveiling. The book of Revelation is in the Greek apocalypse, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So watch this, unveil. When I look this up now, I've shared this in church before. I know this. I think a lot of phones are going off. Don't worry, it's not you. It sounds like an Amber Alert. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you right now, whatever's going on in the situation, when we speak, you hear us. So Father, we thank you that this Amber Alert happened right now on purpose, and we heard it on purpose. So, Father, whatever, whatever's going on in that situation, turn it around right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, let every perpetrator be caught and let whatever's happening right now, may your grace cover the situation. Angels, we thank you that you have already gone out to seek a safe route for that child to find their way back home to their families. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that when we speak, you hear us. This situation is taken care of in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, yes. amen. What are we talking about? Unveiling. <laughs> now, watch this. I've shared this before in our church. When God unveils something, it's never for you just to see it and say, oh, that's nice. When God unveils, you always get whatever he unveils. Now, for the sake of time, let me show you this real quick. You can stay here because I'm going to show you the very next verse. But I want to show you from Deuteronomy real fast. This is so beautiful. And then when I saw this, oh, man, I couldn't contain myself. All right. When God unveils, you always get it. In Deuteronomy 29, God says, if you are disobedient, or if anyone among you is disobedient, you're to bring him forth. And all the curses will fall on him. Everything that he's done bad will fall on him. And then God says this. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Watch this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things which are revealed or unveiled belong to us and to our children forever. <laughs> Why? That we may do all the words of the law. Now this is so beautiful. What does God say? Once I unveil something, it's not just for you. It's for you and for your children forever, forever. That's why when you pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit is unveiling everything God has for you. And it's not just for you. It's for your children. <laughs> oh, man, I got excited. Pick up at verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know 
Ido, that we might know, and that same word, Ido, <laughs> I'll show you in just a moment, the things which have been freely, and it's the word charis. In fact, it's the word grace, but it's the verb of grace. That we, the things that have been graciously given to us by God. The word know right here is the word appreciate. It's not, again, oh, I know what God wants to do. No, no, no. It's a, I know what God wants to do. God has done it. Now I'm appreciating it. Are you with me? But how do you get it? Pray in the spirit. People who don't pray in the spirit. And let me say this. If you, it's okay. But when you pray in the spirit, oh my gosh, there's so much more. There's so much more. There's so much more. And the Holy Spirit is accelerating you. Watch this. Last two verses. Promise. No more after this. <laughs> Verse 13. These things we also speak. What's he talking about? Tongues. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. Because if man could teach tongues, the Holy Spirit wouldn't need to do it. Not wisdom which man teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Considering spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, same word, Edo, nor can he appreciate them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. <laughs> Let me close with this. They are spiritually discerned. This is awesome. What is he saying? Because natural man thinks that praying in the Spirit is dumb, natural man will never get what God has for them. <laughs> there are people who live their entire lives and never enter into the place God has for them because they're natural. When God brought the children of Israel to the promised land, their natural mind said, giants, grasshoppers, let's go back. God said, no, I've given you giants. They said, no, we're grasshoppers. God said, that's how you see yourself, natural man, go. Are you with me? And there it goes again. <laughs> Are you with me though? At the end of the day, you can go through life and never get what God has for you. But what is God saying? I want to get it to you, and I want to get it to you fast. The best way for me to get it to you is for you to stop praying the way you know how to pray, and let me pray for you. Let me pray with you. You pray in the Spirit, I will take care of the rest. I'm going to stop talking. And everyone said, thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for your truth. Father, we thank you for this amazing gift that you've given that we should be accelerated at a fast rate into the things you've called for us to do. This morning, if you would, just take a moment real quick. If everyone who knows how to pray in the Spirit, just pray in the Spirit. Just If you could, just pray in the Spirit for just a few moments. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just pray in the Spirit for just a few minutes here this morning before we close. Thank you, Father. Hey,